Welcome, everybody, to our very first episode of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. You may know me from the Hockey Raiders. You may know me from NHLTradeTalk.com. Send to all sorts of places that I pop up and talk about the NHL and hockey in particular. But if you know me well, you know that I absolutely love trades, rumors, speculation, buzz, behind-the-scenes talk, chatter, whatever you want to call it. And this is the perfect time to be talking about this stuff because we are headed into the 2022 NHL Draft. And I'm going to be bringing on Brooke Laferno, who also writes with the Hockey Raiders every week, to talk about all of the latest speculation and trade buzz that surrounds the players in the fastest, most physical, crazy sport that there is, uh, NHL hockey. So we're going to be doing all of that on a weekly basis, and this is the very first episode. So we hope that you enjoy. This is NHL Trade Talk, the podcast, episode number one. Uh, Check it out in your favorite podcast platforms, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever you listen to them. Uh, Leave us a rating. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Help us out. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you want us to talk about and what we're going to do. So without further ado, uh, myself, Jim Parsons, Brooke Laferno from the Hockey Raiders talking about the 2022 NHL Entry Draft and NHL Trades on the NHL Trade Talk podcast brought to you by NHLTradeTalk.com. Enjoy. Everybody, uh, welcome to our, I guess, very first episode of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. Uh, you may know me from the Hockey Raiders, NHL Trade Talk. I'm here with Brooke Laferno, also from the Hockey Raiders. Brooke, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. I am super excited about this. You know how long I've been wanting to find somebody to do this show with? I've, I did an intro for NHL Trade Talk podcast like almost a year ago now thinking okay the show is going to be coming and then as always you get a little sidetracked you do other things you get busy writing articles or doing videos for other things and then you don't really get to it and I was sort of I just was waiting and hoping somebody would come along and say this might be a really good fit and I think you're it so I'm really excited about chatting with you about uh, NHL rumors and speculation and trades and our timing couldn't be better because we are a few days away from the NHL entry draft where a lot of the action happens um how much are you looking forward to this draft um I actually love the draft I know that uh this draft in particular not a lot of people are excited about but usually that's the time where you find hidden gems you never know what can happen there and I get excited just because the activity just flows so much before the draft no matter what team you're rooting for so and I know it already started which is why like you said we're excited to start talking about things yeah, it's going to be really, really fun. Like we have, and we'll maybe we'll start with the Kevin Fiala trade because it went down officially yesterday. But for those that don't know what the show is going to be about, we'll give you a very brief introduction. So I cover NHL news and rumors for the Hockey Raiders. Our NHLTradeTalk.com website covers a lot of uh, speculation and talk and trades and things like that. That's really what this show is going to be about. Now, we'll talk other things. We'll talk news. We'll talk uh, different ideas and theories in the draft and prospects, all that fun stuff, but really the heart of what we're going to be talking about here on the show, uh, hopefully on a weekly basis, if we can do it, or whenever there's a really, really big story to talk about, uh, we're just going to kind of cover trades, talk about them, what could happen, what did happen, why it's good, why it's bad, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to break it down. So let's start with Kevin Fiala. Here is a guy who There was speculation he was leaving Minnesota. Bill Guerin, the GM of the team, said that he would like to keep Fiala, but he also knew that there was really no way that they were going to get this deal done. If you know the Minnesota Wild, you know that they are in salary cap hell. 
They bought out Ryan Suter, Zach Parise. So they've got all sorts of troubles coming down their way. Uh, and they've got some pretty big contracts. Fiala was going to be a massive one. And as we found out when he got traded to the Kings, who immediately signed him to a seven-year extension, that was a lot of money the Minnesota Wild could not afford. So first reactions to the trade. One, are you surprised that Kevin Fiala was on the move? Two, are you surprised it was the Los Angeles Kings? And three, were you surprised by the number in which the Kings extended him for? Um, yes, actually to all of them. Well, it may be except one. I actually wasn't surprised. His name has been out there for a while, ever since the season ended, his name has been out there. Um, and I know the Minnesota wild only have about $6 million in cap space. So yeah, there was no way they were going to be able to afford that as much as it hurts. Um, it does kind of put a damper though. I think on the open market, yes, he deserved that contract. He had 85 points in 82 games. That's hard to find players like that, but um, especially like if you're looking at someone like Alex Dabrinka, who's a goal scorer as well, he's going to be, if that's what the market is for him, for Kevin Fiala, then you have to expect the market's going to be huge for players like that. So I think uh, he set the tone early for the off season and it does stink. I think for the wild, he was a really good player for them. It, those are the tough decisions, but I think they got a really good return for him. A first round pick when you're a competitive team, getting that first round pick to stay competitive for However, for the future to come, I think that was really, really smart. And they got a good defensive prospect to add to their top five defense. So I actually think it was a good return. If you're going to move someone like that, you want a good return. I think it was a pretty good one for them. Yeah, they Bill Guerin, if you've seen any of his comments about Kevin Fiala, was kind of, I don't want to say he wasn't very nice, but it was one of those things where he talked about the play of Fiala, who, as you mentioned, had 85 points in 82 games. Huge breakout season for him. He's always kind of been on the verge of being a pretty good player. Uh, But this past season was really good, but he wasn't super consistent. Like he had these moments where he was really, really good and maybe one of the hottest players in the NHL. And then he had other moments where he wasn't so great. And Gary even came out and said, like, everybody here talks about Matt Dumba being traded out of Minnesota. I like Matt Dumba. I'm not planning on trading Matt Dumba. Look at Kevin Fiala. He wasn't consistent at all. And then when he said that, you're like, huh, interesting. So what are they thinking about this player? Do they really not want him? Are they thinking he's not worth whatever money he's about to get? And so when the Los Angeles Kings give him $7.9 million uh, over seven years, and it happens immediately, like Garen said, the Kings didn't, you know, dink around here. They came in, they didn't kick tires at all. They just said, we want him. Here's who we'd like for, you know, we'll give you blah, blah, blah. Minnesota said this, this, and it was done. It was just a deal that was over. Uh, didn't take much uh, tire kicking at all. And Los Angeles made a deal. And Garen said, I didn't need to wait till the draft. I thought this was a fair trade for me. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not planning on waiting until the draft. Were you a little surprised by how quickly this got done and the fact that it got done? I mean, what are we at here? It's not even the 1st of July yet. Uh, so we yeah. have seven, seven, eight days before the draft when all this action really kind of happens. Is this Minnesota getting out ahead of things? Is this the Los Angeles Kings saying we're not, we're going to make our move immediately and we're going to start making our moves now? Um, I actually am surprised with how fast that got done because he was considered a hot commodity, I think, on the market. Usually that takes a little bit of time because you have a lot of teams that are in the mix. But I'm not surprised about the LA Kings being aggressive here. They showed that they kind of have the core now within when they got into the playoffs. So they have to be aggressive because they can only get better. So I don't hate the move on their part for sure. He'll, um, I think, fit in nicely with their young core. The only thing is I, from a Blackhawks, because I write about the Blackhawks, he's been in the wild, he's been on the Predators, and now he's in LA. It's like, can't get, <laughs> can't get rid of him. So, but yeah, like I said, not surprised at all with how aggressive things are starting off early because teams, you know, the salary cap is going to go up. They got things to do. So good trade. 
Yeah, and this is Los Angeles really kind of making a statement here, right? Last year they got Philip Deneau, they got Arts, uh, they got some players that they really counted on here for their playoff run. I mean, it didn't pan out against the Edmonton Oilers, a team that I cover, but this is Los Angeles saying, you know what, we're done retooling, rebuilding, we're moving in. Like we're we're coming and we're going to try to be competitive and Ken Fiala I think is going to fit in there uh pretty well. Do you think Fiala is a kind of, I don't want to say one shot, one season wonder, but do you imagine that this last season is probably the best season that he's going to have? Or do you think he's got a whole lot more in him? You know what? Like I said, from watching him, um, I think he's got all the tools. That's what I think makes it a little confusing. I know he probably just put it all together this year and that's what kind of makes him a commodity. So I hope not that he's not a one kind of year commodity in that sense, because he's got the tools. That's the thing. I think he has it in him. And I know Minnesota is a very good team. He was surrounded by really good players. But like I said, he's also being surrounded by good players in L.A. So I don't think I hope that this isn't I don't think it is. So I don't think they should worry about that. Um, I think he's got it. He's still really young. He's only 25 or 26, uh, 25. Sorry. Uh, But yeah, I think yeah, I think he'll be just fine. And I don't blame the L.A. for being aggressive. He'll fit right in. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see what else the Kings do here and if this is it. I don't think this is it at all. I think they're nope. going to probably add some more and we'll see how active they are. Let's talk about another team that we expect to be active and maybe not at the draft, maybe at the draft. We don't really know. There's a lot to talk about the Winnipeg Jets, uh, mostly because they have had some hiccups, I guess you want to say. Like Mark Shifley had his press conference at the end of the season said, I got to look at my future and see what it's going to be like here. I'm not sure if Winnipeg's the place. Well, he didn't really say that, paraphrasing, but uh, then apparently they had a talk with Shifley and said, don't, don't go like, let's figure this out. Let's see what, we... so he did not formally request a trade, but Pierre-Luc Dubois has told the Winnipeg Jets that he's going to test free agency in 2024. He's got, he's a pending RFA. He's going to sign one more, probably at least a year, walk him into unrestricted free agency. He wants to be an unrestricted free agent. Now, I don't know if this means he has no desire to stay with Winnipeg or he's going to test free agency, no matter what team he winds up with. But now there's lots of talk about Dubois being traded here by the Jets. So we anticipate between you know trading contracts around and moving some of the older guys out and whether or not this is the core that Winnipeg thought it was going to be and as good as they thought Winnipeg was going to be. I don't know. What's happening here in Winnipeg? Like, what do you see for this team? And do you think the Dubois news is going to lead to a trade here? Here's the thing with Winnipeg. They're a team that intrigues me because I feel like they have players that could be like, obviously create a really good team. They have Shifley, they have Kyle Connor, they have Pierre-Luc Dubois. And it just never, for some reason, just fit. I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if the players, for whatever reason, just don't have the chemistry, but they're interesting. But with Pierre-Luc Dubois, he is so, he seems like he's in the news every off season. Either he wants to leave or something's up, but. I think you have to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's a good young player, but if he doesn't want to be there, you don't want to waste your time. I think, I know it's every player's right to test the open market. I mean, he has team control for two more years, so it won't happen for two more years. But the fact that he's openly saying this, even though it's two years from now that he wants to test the market is not a very good um, indicator. And if maybe he knows something we don't, maybe Mark Shifley has plans to leave too. We don't know that yet, but maybe that could be a case or a factor too, but yeah, if I'm Winnipeg, something's not right here with this core. They have some good players, but for whatever reason, it's not working. I think something's got to change. Well, I'm hearing that Winnipeg would like to keep Dubois, and they think they can convince him that this, like they thought they could do with Shifley, that this is a team worth sticking around for. But 
I get the feeling that he's already made up his mind and that he's probably looking at Montreal and trying to figure out how he's going to get there. Like that yeah. seems to me the natural fit. I think the Canadians are probably interested in him. My question becomes, well, what do you do if you think Dubois is the type of person that he's just going to keep asking out? He's wanted out of Columbus. He's wanted out of Winnipeg. Uh, he's, you know, unless he's not with the Montreal Canadiens, the team that we assume he wants to play for, he might want out from wherever it is he's going next. What does that mean in terms of trades? I, my thinking is this is a player who's developing a little bit of a reputation here. And if this is the case, what do you give up for a guy who you might have for a year or two and you can't give up a ton of assets for him as good as a player he is, as he is and the ceiling that he potentially has, uh, he's worth a big haul. But do you give it if you're going to go, well, we have him for like a year and a half and then we got to move him? Like, I don't know what that means. Like, I would assume under normal circumstances, Dubois is going to get you a pretty hefty return if you're Winnipeg. But if you're trying to move a player that doesn't seem to want to be anywhere but one or two destinations, what can you get for him? Yeah, that's tricky. And you know what? Dubois is not like a Claude Giroux where he has like the full resume where at this point he could tell you, I want to go like where Claude Giroux said, I want to go to Florida. They made it happen. I don't think that he has kind of that. um, He doesn't have the the resume to back all that up. He just doesn't yet. Um, So I don't really think he can command that at this point, but I agree with you. I think every time, every off season, he's in the news and we're like, Oh boy, here we go again. What's he doing now? What's he complaining about now? But he is a very good player. And I think that's what kind of the kicker is in this whole thing is he's a good player. But um, at this point, I think if you are going to trade for Dubois, you have to be pretty certain. You have to talk to him ahead of time and say, do you want to be here or not? Cause we're not wasting time with you. You're a good player, but this isn't going to work if you don't want to be here. So, and I think that's the correct approach because obviously any team does not want a player that doesn't want to be there. So um, yeah, I do think there should be caution with Dubois for sure. He's a good player, but make sure he wants to be there first. And I did hear that the Rangers were very interested in Dubois. I did hear a couple different packages, maybe Filipino, maybe Capo Caco. I don't, or yeah. So interesting they're very interesting players there well the rangers i heard too and that's going to be an interesting team to watch because they are speculated to maybe be in the market to shake things up i mean um chris jury the gm over there has made it pretty obvious that he was not a fan of the way that artemi panarin finished their playoff run and the rangers did well like they went to the conference final like it's not like they were a bad team but panarin didn't play fantastic uh, hockey down the stretch, even though he was probably their best player for most of the playoffs and the regular season. But so who knows what's going to happen in New York, right? Like they got Ryan Strom to potentially move out and Dubois could come in and take over for him. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts in New York. So I could see them being very interesting. And they seem to be a team that like, yeah, whatever. Like if he leaves in two years, it's New York. He's not going to want to leave, right? Like right. I think that might be their mentality. It's like nobody leaves New York. Nobody wants to leave. Yeah, New York, exactly. Right? right? There's a few guys that yeah. have, have been unhappy with the way that their you know progression or you know coming through the system has worked out. But for the most part, people love to go to New York. They don't love to leave New York. So I wonder if they just figure, you know what, if we can get Dubois in here and he can be our new Ryan Strom, yeah, let's go for it. Right. Yeah. And that could be a factor too. I mean, like you said, no place is bigger than New York. If he wants to be the man, he, if he wants attention or if he wants to be the main piece, he would be on New York. They need scoring um, for sure. I do think they need more scoring with our Tommy Panarin. Obviously he's not going to be as big as Panarin, but he will get um, what he's looking for. I think there for sure. And I think he would fit in nicely with, like I said, the young core, they need scoring for sure. So it does make a lot of sense. And like you said, Ryan Strom might be gone. They're going to need some reinforcement there. So 
Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about a team, you know, well, you mentioned Ryan Strom. So that leads me to a guy like Dylan Strom. And there's a lot of people in Chicago that we can talk about. Lots of people on the front page of the news lately, uh, Chicago, especially with a new coaching hire. I'll let you comment on that. Cause this is your team that you cover. Uh, but then we'll, we'll switch into some of the trade talks surrounding uh, the Blackhawks. So first reactions to the Luke Richardson hire in Chicago. I like it. He wasn't a uh, coach I was familiar with. He was an assistant coach with Montreal. So I don't follow Montreal very um, closely, but from what I've heard, from what I've heard from our colleagues at the hockey writers who do follow Montreal, that he's great. And he was a good hire. And from listening to him speak at his press conference, I think he is a good fit for a rebuild. He seems like he does have a really um, high character. He's got a good feel for a rebuild, which is good. It's not a very, I know, desirable situation to come in for a rebuilding team, but he seems up for the challenge and he kind of has a good philosophy. Like he said, I want to be better than we were yesterday and just keep improving. That's what you want to hear. If you're a rebuilding team, I like it. Um, And I know they gave him a four year um, contract worth one, 1.5 million per year, pretty cheap contract. It sounds like he's a guy that's going to be strictly for a rebuild because four years sounds pretty um, what the timeline kind of looks like for maybe where they could be competitive again. again. Maybe it could be sooner, but I like it a lot. I think um, they're in a good spot with him for sure. Yeah, it's a it's a no lose kind of situation, right? Like when you're in Chicago's shoes and you don't know exactly what this team is going to look like over the next one or two years, you don't know exactly what's happening behind the scenes with that franchise. You you kind of need a coach that's going to be young enough and can work with some of the kids coming in. If some of the older guys leave, like you said, 1.5 million, which is super cheap. Now I know contracts for coaches are trending downwards. There was this peak for a while where they were making like four and a half, $5 million a season. That seems to have gone away. You know, Tortorella signed for four uh, Cassidy signed, I think for five um, in Vegas, but uh, Woodcroft signed for three at Edmonton, 1.5 for Richardson, which I think speaks both to coaching salaries coming back down to norm a little bit, but also that Richardson doesn't have experience as a head coach yet. Tons of associate coaching experience, tons of stuff in the HL. Very good guy. Uh, he played for the Oilers for a while. And we, I kind of, you know, him a little bit, it, this super nice guy, right? Like, so I think this could be good for Chicago, but at the same time, it's kind of a no lose, right? If in two years, it doesn't work out very well and you ch- decide to move on, Chicago doesn't know him very much, right? So it's not like, and he'll probably take a job somewhere else because why would you not take a job? that's going to pay more than 1.5. So I think it's a no-lose situation for Chicago. We'll see. What do you think it means, though, for some of the guys on this team? Like, you've got the Patrick Canes who have said, I don't want to leave Chicago. But I think the Blackhawks, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the Blackhawks might be waiting for a situation where Kane sort of revisits and looks at this team and says, you know what, maybe I'm not going to stay. Like, this is not a team that I think is going to win next year. Uh, this is not a team that I'm probably going to finish out my career with. Yes, go ahead and move me. Um, I don't know if that's the situation that everybody's sort of waiting on in Chicago, but how do you think the Richardson hire affects a guy like Patrick Kane and what he might want to do sticking around? I don't think it hurts at all. I mean, Andrew Shaw, who was Patrick Kane's teammate um, and he played for Montreal. He did say that Luke Richardson is a great guy. He's a player's coach. He's going to help improve this team. And maybe with him and Shaw or him and Kane being close, that could be, he might trust his opinion, I think, but At this point, Kyle Davidson, the general manager of the Blackhawks, did say that he wasn't really in the market for convincing Kane and Tace to stay. Like, he's going to be honest and say, this is where our team is right now. Like, if you want to stay, that's totally fine with us, but I'm being honest with you. I'm not going to try to convince you. Otherwise, it's your decision. We'll happily keep you if that's what you want, but I'm not going to, you know, beg you to stay if that's not what's best for you. But this is where we are right now. So, 
at this point, I don't know if what they're doing is going to, I don't think they're in the market for trying to convince them to stay at this point. I just think they're trying to improve, which is the right move. But like I said, I don't think it hurts their chances of Kane staying or leaving either way. But like I said, I definitely don't think it hurts at all having um, the background and like I said, the experience from someone like Shaw and the other players around the league that think highly of him. Yeah. What do you think it's, uh, you know, Kane's a guy who he's not nearly done. He's got lots left to give, but he is a getting, he's getting older and he will probably hit the back end of his career here right away. But people who are still on the upswing, Alex DeBrinkett, Kirby Doc, uh, these are two guys that we probably would have never associated to a trade uh, rumor or speculation, but are out there now, right? Because one for DeBrinkett, you've got a $9 million qualifying offer that needs to be paid here. And Chicago is probably not going to be as competitive as they would like to be at the prime years of DeBrinkett and what he can give to this team. So he's a better fit almost anywhere uh, if that team is going to be competitive. And then Kirby Doc, who I guess hasn't reached his potential, probably due to some injuries and things like that, um, is also out there and talk. Do you think either one of these two guys is going to be moved? And is it possible that one of them is moved at the draft? Kirby Doc, I don't think so at all. Uh, we talked to Phil Thompson of the Chicago Tribune on our Blackhawks banter show on the Hockey Writers, and he was saying from what he's heard, um, it's a, like a given that he will get a qualifying offer. The Blackhawks do think highly of him, and they're not ready to give up on him yet. Um, so I don't see him getting moved unless they're blown away uh, by something. Patrick Kane, or DeBrinket, um, I do see that happening (laughs) if I'm being honest with you it hurts a lot there's the players like him that score like that don't uh they're hard to find in this league 40 goal scores hard to find um but at this point the Blackhawks do need the draft capital and there's really no other player on the team that will give them prospects will give them draft picks like Alex Dabrinkit it is a tough market for sure and it's tough to swallow but I do think they're thinking about that qualifying offer and I do think they're thinking about the fact that this team won't be competitive for a while and by the time they are competitive he might be older might slow down you never know there's just a lot of unknowns there but um, I think if they are thinking about the future and I think that's another thing with Patrick Kane too Patrick Kane said if Dabrinkit's here that makes it easier to stay. If DeBrink mm-hmm. gets gone, I don't know if that influences Kane either. But at this point, it seems like Kyle Davidson is going to do what he thinks is best, whether it's popular or not. We saw that with Brandon Hagel. It was a popular decision to let him stay. It was unpopular to let him go, even though it made sense. So there's hard decisions there for sure, and I do see DeBrink getting traded. I don't think eh, maybe at the deadline, um, but I would think next season for sure, if not the deadline. I don't know how soon that is. I don't know what his market is right now. Apparently, um, they're asking a lot for him. I think they're asking for three first-round picks, one for this year, and two more for the coming years, and an NHL-ready player now that can be that's ready to go. So we'll see. I don't know how many teams are going to want to match that. Yeah, that's a big ask. Um, and there's probably only two, three teams that would probably be like, yeah, we're in. You know what I mean? So – I I don't know if it's going to happen by the draft, but you got to think that this is a really a good time, a good environment to be watching this closely because there's, there are a few other situations where these teams are going to be so willing to move these picks, right? If you don't do it now and the picks are the big part for Chicago, because let's be realistic here. You said they want one player who is NHL ready, who's going to be, but that person's got to be young. That person's got to grow with the rest of this core and just be just coming into his own as an NHL player. Whatever else is coming with this package is going to be a year, two, three years down the road. 
And Chicago wants to line all these pieces up so that the stars match and go, okay, in two years, three years, we're going to be pretty good because we got all these high-end you know, prospects and talents and draft picks that we've accumulated. And DeBrinckit's going to be a huge part of that. So I think there's going to be a lot of conversations at this draft about Alex DeBrinckit. And I think there's going to be some teams seriously considering, like, what does Chicago really want? What can we give them uh, to make this happen? Because if you're Chicago and you know DeBrinckit, I don't know what they're thinking, but if you know DeBrinckit is not part of the equation for you and he's not going to be a part of your long-term future, you got to be looking at this now. If you've already decided that this is not where you're going with this team, why would you not move this player as soon as you can when the return is the highest? That's what I'm thinking. I, I don't expect that we're going to see this trade of the draft, but I think there's going to be a lot of buzz around it. Yeah, I, 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 I would imagine there's going to be a couple of teams. Do you have any idea what teams might be? Um, I'm going to probably put you on the spot here, but do you have any thought at all about what teams might be out there for him? I have heard the Devils um, could be interested in moving their second overall pick for him. I could see that happening. Him with Jack Hughes, that would be make a really good core, I think, for New Jersey. And I do think they're a lot closer than the Blackhawks are. Um, and I have heard the Senators. That's another interesting kind of dark horse, I think, for sure. They do have a young core as well. Um, he could probably fit in nicely. They could be, they're getting, they're improving every year. Like I said, they're close, I think closer than people might expect to. So I have heard those two teams for sure. But if Kyle Davidson is make is like in the back of his mind thinking, I actually really don't want to move to Brinkett, but I'm just going to put it out there. And he's trying to make the offer so high that no one will match it. Then I respect it. But um, yeah, like I said, I, I think a, he'll have a good market anyways. Three firsts, so it's hard to do, but with Brandon Hagel getting two firsts, it really yeah. upped the ante, I think, for sure. I think the only thing playing against this happening to this draft is that there's really nobody in this draft who projects to be a top-line player. Like, you've mm-hmm. got Shane Wright as a second-line center. guy. really Subkoski is probably second-line winger. You know, they might have the ability to go beyond that, but I think that's where people are projecting them. So there's no, like, star, difference-maker, generational talent coming out of this draft. And so you got to get the best possible pick you can. I mean, there's a cluster of people in that mid first round that should be decent players, but there are going to be a lot of role players coming out of this draft. So I don't know if you're Chicago, are you moving to Brinkett for a guy who maybe never projects to be on a top line somewhere? That's going to be very, very interesting. Well, also like people talk about first round picks and you know what, you can't rebuild without a first round pick, no matter how you look at it, whether they want to use it in the draft or they want to use it again to trade for another big, star there's a lot of different avenues you can take with that first round pick which is what makes it important to them doesn't have to be in the draft necessarily you can but there's other avenues you can take yeah all right so let's switch gears let's talk about a couple teams that haven't really done much yet but we anticipate we'll probably do um some moving and some shaking uh the goaltending market's going to be very interesting at the forefront of what could happen here and may not have anything to do with the draft but and to be honest with you, it might not even be a trade that we're talking about here. It could be just free agent signings and people moving around. But Toronto and Edmonton, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Edmonton Oilers both badly need goaltenders. Uh, we expect the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to lose Ilya Mekiev, and there's a lot of talk that they're probably going to lose Jack Campbell. Um, the Edmonton Oilers don't have a starter anymore because Miko Koskinen's gone to Switzerland, and Mike Smith is so banged up, it looks like he's going on LTIR for the rest of the year if he doesn't retire. So both need a starter. Uh, if Jack Campbell moves, I would anticipate that the Edmonton Oilers are going to be in on that conversation, but there's also Billy Huso out there. I don't know what, sh- what Edmonton is not able to access. I don't hear Fleury's interested. I don't hear John Gibson's interested. I don't hear Semyon Varlamov's interested in Edmonton. So, but they might be interested in Toronto. I don't know. What do you think is going to happen here between you know, Toronto, Edmonton trades, signings? Do you have any ideas as to what to expect from these two teams? 
what's unfortunate, I think, is last year the goalie market was so hot. That's where everything was kind of moving. This year, it's kind of back to square one. I think if the Oilers, that was the year for them to get their goalie, um, unfortunately. But I don't really see much excitement around the goalies uh, this year. I I don't see um, Huso leaving St. Louis. I really don't. I think they think highly of him. I know Bennington's a wild card there. I don't know if they're going to want to trade him or keep him, but I know you can't have two star goalies on a team. It just doesn't work for a whole year, but I don't see him leaving. I don't know what about that. Campbell though, I could see him being a good fit with the Oilers for sure. They do need a starting goalie, and there's a lot of um, interesting intangibles there. I know Marc-Andre Fleury is a free agent, but it looks like Minnesota said they want to re-sign him if possible. I don't know if he could be an option for those two teams if they can't work something out. But, um, yeah, I don't see a lot of huge intangibles with the goalies this offseason, if I'm being honest. I, It's just not as hot as it was last year. I'm probably with you on the Campbell thing. I'm curious to see where he goes. I think the Oilers will probably make a call there if he's available. I think Zach Hyman's going to get in on that conversation because the two have a history there. And Zach Hyman has been the hugest advocate for Edmonton since he came over here. So uh, I could see that happening. I will respectfully disagree with the Billy Huso stuff, though. I think he does leave St. Louis. I think that this is his market. Of all the goaltenders who could capitalize on the least amount of a resume, he played, what, 60 games for St. Louis? And he had a half decent playoff, not a very good playoff series, but a pretty good regular season. He's going to get paid, like paid good, like 4 million minimum, 5 million, probably like he's, I don't think he's worth it, but I think some team's going to give him that. And it might be the Oilers. I hope it is the Oilers, but it could be. Um, I just think he's going to have too much of a temptation to leave. I think, I think St. Louis wants to keep him, but I don't see St. Louis giving him four and a half, five million bucks to keep him. I don't think they can. They're locked into Bennington. And I don't know that you're going to be able to trade him. So if that's the case, uh, Billy Huso, we talk about, you talked about New Jersey being a team that could be an under bracket. I think New Jersey badly needs a goaltender too. And they want to do some stuff. Tom Fitzgerald has already said, he's like, looking to make a splash. Like I could see them making a pitch for somebody like him. So I do believe that the money's going to be too much for him to not say yes. And whether he goes to a team and looks at a competitor or he just takes the biggest paycheck he possibly can. I'm not sure that he's ever like, I really don't know what Billy Huso is going to be. He could be fantastic. And he could turn out, I don't want to say a flop, but he could turn out to be what we had here in Edmonton with Miko Koskin. We gave this guy money way too early and he turned out to not be a starter. He was like a 1B, not a bad goalie, but not a great goalie. Nobody that you could really count on. I don't know if that's Huso, right? And if you're the team that gives them 5 million bucks for four years, what did you do, right? If that happens, like that's a gamble to me. That's going to be a very, very interesting uh, conversation. And I'm very curious. I don't think St. Louis could trade him or anything yeah. of his rights but I think they'll see what this market looks like. And if who so goes, he goes. And I think they're ready for that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens here, but you got another team just closing things off for this episode, a team that you're going to be watching at the draft here. Oh, I'm looking at New Jersey for sure. I mean, they made it clear, not just with the Blackhawks or whatever, but they did say that they are willing to move that second pick. It might not be to the Blackhawks, but I think that they're going to make a splash. Like you said, Mackenzie Blackwood, their goalie might be a, option um for other teams he might get moved I think they might be up to something and I am looking at the Kings too they said they have the best um draft pool in the league they said they're not done they could be doing they could be doing some behind the scenes so I'm interested to see what they're going to do they look aggressive early so I think it'll be an exciting I actually think leading up to the draft might be more exciting than the draft itself we'll see sometimes that's how it plays out sometimes you hear a lot of conversation you're thinking oh man this is going to go this is going to go and then not a ton actually happens that day 
The fact that Kevin Fiala has already been traded is a good sign. Uh, the yeah. fact that this draft is so wide open without a real star at the top of the board, like Shane Wright and Sikoski are the two kind of guys, uh, you know, Logan Cooley's up there too. And Arizona's looking at maybe somebody off the board. Like, I think that shapes things up for a little bit of action here that we might not normally see. I'm curious to see what the Montreal Canadiens do, because I don't think they know yet who they're taking with the first pick. Maybe they do. They just haven't said it. Um, but I also believe that they have enough depth in their system to want to make some trades and move up a little bit, maybe make a splash because they're hosting the draft this year. And it's been what, 30 something years since the team who hosted picked first overall. Like I believe that there could be some action here. It'll be really, really kind of fun to watch. And I don't know what Montreal is going to do. They got a lot of pieces that they could be moving out and a lot of pieces they might be keeping because they think they're better than everybody else thinks they are. I'm not really sure. Vancouver is the other team to watch. I think uh, between Ooh. the J- JT Miller, Brock Besser, you know, Tanner Pearson, Tyler Myers, Connor Garland, just signing Andre Kuzmenko to an entry-level deal out of the KHL. This team and Rutherford and Patrick Elvin, I think they want to put their stamp on this team. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that one, but that's a dark horse, I think, too. I think they just need to move some money. And I think the they draft do. is a really good place to do it, right? If you're going to dump some players and you're trying to free up space and you're not asking for much in return, but prospects and picks, if there's a team sitting at the board somewhere that has like, oh, we got the ninth, 14th pick. We've got this, eh, do we like this player? Well, what about this JT Miller? Like, can we afford him? Like that, I think those conversations will happen. And whether that happens to turn into a trade or not, I'm, I'll be very curious to see, but uh, it'll be very interesting. We'll do a follow-up show if you're cool with it right after the draft. So the draft is going to be happening on the seventh. We'll watch the first round. Maybe we'll do a podcast right after that just to see what happens. If any trades, the picks, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but I appreciate you doing this, Brooke. This was a lot of fun. Yes, it was a blast. Uh, like I said, we'll have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks for sure. Absolutely. And we'll keep everybody apprised on uh, free agency, the draft, all that other stuff. Uh, Brooke, where can people read your stuff? You can find uh, me at thehockeywriters.com on our Blackhawks page. You can find all my articles there. You can also follow me on Twitter. My name is uh, my Twitter name is on the screen right there. That's where I am the most active too in sharing my articles. And you can also find me on YouTube on the Blackhawks Banter um, YouTube page, which is the Hockey Writers YouTube. So if you search that, you'll find me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate it, guys. This has been another episode, or at least the first real episode of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Uh, we appreciate book coming on for Jim Parsons, myself. You guys can check me out at the hockey Raiders and NHL trade talk.com. Uh, we'll be keeping you up to speed on all this. We're looking forward to doing a lot more of these episodes and hope that you guys like talking about trades and rumors and speculation and buzz. And that's what, that's what I kind of love for, uh, with the NHL. I love, I love watching the games too, but the, the stuff behind the scenes, that's really fun for me. So I am I'm super excited to be doing this on a regular basis. Uh, Brooke, I'll say goodbye for now and uh, we'll get the stuff for people to listen to and hope they download and subscribe to it. Uh, and share this if you like the show and you want others to listen to it and hope that we keep going please share it for us Uh, that would be a huge help uh broke until next time until after the draft uh, it's been another edition of the nhl trade talk podcast see you guys